we have some questions. Thank you very much for offering these to perhaps to trigger, some, to initiate some topics that may be of broad concern for many people. So if you may ask a question, it could be that actually the question you're asking, 25 other people have the same question or are interested in that. And uh, I will try to look pri primarily at the things that seem to me of most long-term broad interest and this particular time. So the first question I'd like to respond to concerns someone who has sustained spinal damage last year in a surgery. So the nerves are damaged that run down the back into the feet and toes, which mean a person cannot sit even in a chair except very briefly. This is sad. So the person is basically asking, you know, I could try short periods of standing or sitting rather than push, which is my nature is tend to be pushy. But I'd also like some understanding of how to practice reclining. Person's quite upset about having to recline because they really enjoyed and felt beneficial sitting up and of course that's so often how we see meditation well there's a psychology of that you know because it's true that meditation classically nobody's sick when they meditate everybody's sitting upright no pain that's it but of course uh, most people are experiencing pain discomfort and sickness and discomfort and pain and damage are part of what this body has to go through so we say well can we look more broadly at what we mean by cultivation yeah. and uh, cultivation of the psychology and the neurology and if the neurology is damaged it means you have to cultivate more powerfully the psychology the acts of qualities of recollection loving kindness um, consideration uh, uh, mental aspects, more mental aspects. Um, but reclining supine posture is possible. And the person mentions that their general standard is to um, lie on their back with a pillow under the knees or sometimes on the right side. So, yeah, that seems good um, to be able to use your your entire back rather than sitting on your bottom you sit on your back <laughs> you know, use your back as your foundation um, and then but try to bring awareness over the entire form from the crown of the head down to the feet because when you recline the energy naturally quietens down because its body associates that with going to sleep, it switches, the energy goes down. You need to cultivate quite a, a good, steady mental energy, which could be best accomplished by sweeping from the soles of your feet up to the crown of your head, like a gentle track, not too fast, but steady. And what are you picking up? Not just sensations, but also the energies nervous tingling in your feet your soles of your feet yeah wherever you feel them so it's midline on the back 
and you have also a cross line lateral direction lateral direction can be made formal by having the arms so the fingers touch each other your arms are flat on your back but the hands come across your chest your fingers lightly touch each other on the chest or if you like around the navel and using the hands is helpful because that gives you another way to stay awake and even if you're sitting meditation we use hand mudras which means particular uh, ways the hands are held in order to bring the sensitivity of the touch into consciousness so fingertips particularly extremely sensitive so if you tune into the sensitivity of your fingers your fingertips they touch each other the degree of pressure or warmth or softness or smoothness or whatever tune into that it, it gives you something again to help stay wakeful if you're tuning into your fingertips when you sit in meditation it helps to stop you going sleepy because your hands will collapse or getting too tense where your hands will grip so you use a samadhi mudra where one hand is inside the other palms upright thumbs touch or you can use a single samadhi mudra where each hand is separate but the fingertips one fingertip touches the thumb of the same hand so that the sense of you know contact is made between two sensitive digits that sensitivity keeps you awake it also the sensitive touch has an emotional signal to it this is not about force but it's not about being sloppy it's about sensitive connection yeah. sensitive not too much pressure but no not collapsed so that's a quite an important neurological signal to to establish this is why it's called samadhi mudra the mudra of samadhi of collectedness because that's what samadhi is about it's about being lightly sensitive open not gripping but but definitely focused you know in this connected way so to go back to the person reclining if your fingertips are touching your chest center of your chest or around your navel then you can feel if you you know either on your clothes or your skin or they're touching each other that again gives you something to to get a focus on if it's sitting on the center of your chest you can feel the movement of the body breathing as you breathe in and out you feel the swelling you might feel the warmth of the skin or even the beating of the heart and you'll feel that the you know the, the uh, obviously the heartbeat has got quite a bit to do with the emotional um, emotional state so this helps soothing soothing touch sensitive to touch and very soothing and steadying as they're reclining like that probably good to keep your eyes open half open you know get something on on above you that's easy to look at because if you're going to be doing this as a main meditation system you might as well make something you know pretty complete about it so it's not just 10 minutes you could be there for an hour i know some monks who basically their knees have gone through damage and they do a lot of reclining you know do two or three hours solid reclining not asleep just in the reclining posture 
just checking in to the nervous system and cleaning out agitation. So yeah, I know senior monks who who do this, who recline when they meditate. And uh, as the system quietens down, reflexes get soothed, they're just listening. It's like listening to your own body, like like you have your finger on somebody's pulse and you can feel the nervous energy. When it quietens down, you get an enormous sense of silence. Not just auditory silence, but neurological silence. The system is just steady. There's no agitation in it, no constriction in it. So this is a lovely way to practice. So another question that will have something for all of us in it. A person mentions how their online Zoom retreats from home pose special challenges with extra distractions and temptations. <laughs> I notice I apply more effort in formal sitting and would like to seek guidance on balancing relaxation, not overexerting effort and yet staying diligent and wholehearted. Well, certainly these online retreats have enormous benefits to them, enormous benefits, but then like everything else, there are um, certain negative effects or things we have to deal with and summed it up pre up the clutter and restrain the actions and so you switch off and you unclutter um, so uncluttering you can see the place where i'm living um, there's not a lot in it and if there is anything in it it's generally got a little screen so i don't even see it there's a few books there the main thing is you've got a very large, I have a very large um, altar shrine. And so that's the predominant mood of the area that you live in. That that really helps. You can use atmosphere and, and environment to your benefit. Um, you switch off what you don't need and switch on what will support it. So, yeah, and... You know, building in supports like that, because the sense of over effort, it could mean that you're not actually um, picking up nourishing effects. So just to enlarge upon that, as I was saying earlier, whenever we have something we feel is important, we want to do, we call it even that's called meditation, then it, we go about it, we might go about it more or less habitually the way we normally go about things uh, is like work and the system, oh, I've got to do more, harder and get it done, get to the good result because that's the way our work goes. Um, but something called play and play, we often think is just for children, but no, obviously, you know, if you're a gymnast or a chess player or a musician, you know, it takes a lot of sophisticated skill. Um, but if you're if you're too driven, you lose some of the fluency, you lose some of the beauty of the thing that you're creating. If you're a painter or a calligrapher, there's got to be enough. You're not trying to get the thing done. You're happy to be in the flow. And that's the difference between work and play. Work is always 
aimed at getting the end and play is deepening the quality of the action now deepening the quality the quality of the action that we're doing is this action is my application towards whatever i'm meditating on is this coming with a mind of goodwill using yoni so sikara careful attention how is this where is it coming from what's the result of this is it using mindfulness just stay linger 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 and stay till you really get it really stay with that you till you really get it till you feel the effects of it and so knowing that really this is the most important thing to do is to know what's the most important thing and the most important thing is to act uh, in a balanced way and naturally diligence will arise because you you are interested and enthusiastic because you're enjoying it and in the difficult bit you think oh this is challenging but yeah this is probably good to work with so as long as it's you know i want to do this then it's good unfortunately sometimes we're connected to systems where we feel they tell me to do it we're going to i've got to do it because the boss or the system says do it so it doesn't relate to what i'm feeling at all and we get used to that so you can have a meditation system that you've got to do um, irrespective of what's happening for you so take back authority over okay what's worth doing how do i do this what brings up the right results yeah i'm in charge here not from some narrow self-view but from the authenticity of my aspirations and resolve and then it's always um, validating and empowering and you you want to make you want to keep going with it and you learn you know to learn means you don't know otherwise you don't need to learn if you don't know you're bound to make mistakes there's no other way if you don't know you're bound to make mistakes but you can't start out being an expert so get used to making mistakes and okay why was that a mistake i meant well but i was too hasty i meant well but i didn't prepare myself yeah my idea was good but i didn't actually really get the right attitude around breathing out and letting it happen breathing in and letting it happen i was always trying to make it happen ah that's where it went wrong this is how you learn someone asks about samadhi process as a settling downward the chitta so they say as far as their experiences that's the way it's been going settling downward of the chitta i wonder what downward means uh, getting more grounded established restful yeah that's part of it but it also which also expands so as it becomes more settled the energy gets more settled and stable it's like you touch the ground and it begins to gradually widen and open and this is where you get these suffusive effects right? um, refreshment rapture ease enjoyment 
because the chitta begins to, so it feels grounded, feels more settled. It's not having to deal with all kinds of agitation. Therefore, it, it's, ah, it begins to open and become measureless. How to meditate on space in the body. Hmm. Well, um, yeah. Generally, meditate on space around the body is useful because then you get a sense of freedom from pressure, which is very helpful. Hmm. So you feel you're sitting with around you, right at the edge of your skin. There's a good amount of space. So this helps the body to relax, not feel defended or tense. And the important aspect of space is the absence of pressure. So space is called a derived element. It means it's something you begin to notice, not because it's a quality, it's an absence of a quality. It's the absence of the quality of pressure and constriction and agitation. So, although there are obvious spaces in the body, such as the cavity of the mouth, you know, when you come into the experience of the body, it's mostly one of various kinds of pressure, warmth, heat, movement. You know, you close your eyes, how is your body, you feel it. Certain density, certain warmth, movement energies moving and space arises as the body energies the bodily energies quieten and then there's a sense of freedom from pressure and that is not a particular place in the body, it's a sense in, in the nervous system of the body. Now, another easy example, when you breathe out, the out-breath completes itself, before the muscles start pulling air in again, there's a space. Right? You're breathing out, into the out-breath. And then a slight tug in the abdomen, breathing begins again. Get to the in the inhalation, comes up, you feel the swelling in the chest, the chest expands slightly, doesn't really go up, it expands. And then it stops, or that fades out, and there's a sense of opening. Now, is that in the body or outside the body? It's in the nervous system. Actually, it's just resting, and then it begins again. So, when we cultivate mindfulness of breathing, it's not as if there's one breath and the next breath. As one breath begins when you're born, and it goes on until you die, and it's just doing this. It's going up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. And it goes inhalation, pause, exhalation, pause, inhalation, pause, exhalation, pause. The energy doesn't stop, otherwise you'd be dead. But what happens is the nervous energy that gets the muscles working stops. And it picks up again. 
but the energy remains present but not active. So there's a sense if you as you're meditating on breathing, if you do that, follow it through and you come to those places where oh resting, open. Here comes the in-breath. And the experience is perceived through the mind as a sense of space. Of course, there may be energetic turbulence may happening, different moods or feelings, but if you focus primarily on the movement of the breathing, the breathing breathes out, and then the muscles rest and relax, the willpower quietens down. You let go. Open space. Then it comes in again. Mm-hmm. So this space is is helpful not just as a you know as a quality in itself, but also because it does mean a place where the willpower takes a break, and therefore our willpower becomes more conscious and directed rather than compulsive. It's able to switch off and switch on again. And in meditation, you want to moderate willpower because you have to be receptive as well as active. Then space is helpful because in space there's no there's no willpower. There's no pressure. There's no got to make anything happen. It's just open. And that's a, a rare place to find in a day. So it's an important aspect of being alive. It's the place where we get refreshed, things drain out, clear out, allows new things to arise. Someone asked about cultivation, how to distinguish cultivation from craving to become. I think I've touched upon that. But um, craving for becoming put it another way is um, seeking results um, so yeah that's that's the program of much of our life to do something to get things done so it's a powerful program we have to take time to relax by getting into experiencing the qualities of the present moment so we become much more attuned to sensitivity, receptivity, rather than goal orientation. problem with sensitivity is you can be sensitive to just about anything and it's going to be extremely overwhelming. So the aim is just to be sensitive to the quality of breathing in, breathing out. This is a wholesome state to be lingered in. This is an unwholesome state to withdraw from. So these are always present moment. So, okay, sensitive to the body as it breathes out, breathes in. Sensitive to the mind when it feels comfortable, linger in it. Sensitive to the mind when it feels agitated, compassionate towards it, calming it. Sensitive to the mind when it gets destructive and craving, restrain it cool it, check it, turn it away. This is how we cultivate. Because in the present moment, 
we need to see those things as injurious or beneficial. That's practice. And if that goes on, there's going to be results. You don't have to make things happen. They will happen. It's the nature of intention, nature of karma. And this is meditation's mental karma. What weakens resolve? <laughs> well, um, probably in non-association with good people. So associating with good people strengthens resolve because you get a sense of, you know, cross-referencing and enthusiasm and, you know, it helps to keep you in the right groove, the right channel. So without that, one's really running on one's own. And then resolve is more difficult, particularly if you're associating with people who don't cultivate. It tends to wear down your individual cultivation. Um, we get disheartened. We don't, we're not getting feeling good. Then um, this can weaken resolve. If that's the case. You need probably good to um, seek some advice or check where your mind is going and take yourself seriously. Um, you know, the aim of this is for your welfare and long-term happiness. Uh, you know, if, you, if you're not feeling you want to cultivate it, what is taking you away? If you're too much stress, too much effort to meditate, change your way of practicing, not getting results, change your desire. Uh, uh, getting automatic, become more wisely attentive. It's getting into a grim routine. Use wise attention to what's going on and deepen into the qualities of what you're experiencing um, with right intention. These will bring up um, purposeful and fruitful results and then you linger in those. And so you're gradually weaning your mind and strengthening it. person experiences um, disappointment and resentment due to their actions in the world. Persons often experienced that their intent or chetana is based on goodwill and well-being for others. But when their intentions are met with, un with unconcern or scepticism, I often fall prey to resentful feelings. So they feel they're acting in ways that are good and kindly. Other people are not responding in a good way. They're not interested or even kind of slightly skeptical. So you're not getting positive feedback from their actions, their intentions. Can there be subtle impurities that I'm not aware of? And how can the best of intents result in my experience of negative karma vipaka, i.e. the world not seeing the value in what I do? So all these good intentions that the person is cultivating don't seem to give rise to wholesome results, but actually to feeling resentful. So that's the nub of it. Well, you really, um, you know, 
looking for positive feedback from other people is natural but um, not necessarily that wise <laughs> in your case because the one that, that lives with you all the time is the one you want to get feedback from and that's you other people come and go they may be wise they may not be wise they may be confused they may be stupid uh, they may be not insensitive they maybe didn't understand what you're doing maybe they weren't even listening who knows but you're the one who listens so you're the one who gives yourself the most important feedback because you live with yourself all the time so do you give yourself feedback or do you expect the other people to give it for you hmm? you know if you do something good do you expect a round of applause or brass band to play or what <laughs> very good or just people are people you know but rather than looking if we're out there linger in the results so you see the results of good intention are good feeling but you're looking for results in other people no the results are in you not in other people so if you act linger with the qualities of those actions and how that felt stay with that then you're keeping the feedback loop intact and in yourself so if you're looking at feedback from other people then it's not intact because you're not responsible for how they see things okay so if you are looking for that and they're not giving it to you then you get negative results you get feel disappointed or frustrated because you're searching for something that it's not going to come from there looking in the wrong place and you don't get it then you feel resentful well you need to get it where it comes from which is in your heart now feeling resentful about other people is a bit of a waste of time too because there's quite a lot of people you can feel resentful and annoyed by in this world um, some one feel extremely <laughs> displeased with <laughs> because people's morality and virtue is not by and large you know there's a lot of unskillful actions around so don't don't concern yourself praise blame don't concern yourself concern yourself with what rests in your own heart you know, then you're not looking for getting blood from a stone or trying to milk a turtle it's not going to you're not going to get milk out of a turtle so don't bother to milk it or ask it or get resentful turtles don't give you milk but your own heart will so i'd recommend you really look there close the, the loop persons saying during their meditation session the mind was calm aware and curious they noted something unusual the mind wanted to avoid concepts such as labeling what sense consciousness detects it was not interested it was a sense of the eye that was inclining to drop it did not resist but it felt stuck i don't know quite what to make of it 
it isn't a sense of doubt, but curiosity to understand it. How it arrived, I don't understand. Well, clearly you don't understand it, so it's not entirely clear what it is. <laughs> but um, you're not going to get understanding through concepts. And by and large, you know, the heart expects to get the thinking mind to give correct understanding. But actually, correct understanding arises first in the heart. And it's not verbal. It's a sense of ease or comfort or clarity. And then the thinking mind can create a label to define what that is. So quite a bit of the time we don't really know, uh, but we can sense. So tune yourself to the heart tones, the tones of the heart, where the heart feels bright, steady, strained, giddy. And if it doesn't feel straight and steady, then you should give more attention to the body. The body energy acts as a kind of a, a stabilizing agent. Um, so as long as you keep the body energy, the nervous energy in the mind, even it's in the background of your attention, that acts as a safety net. Uh, so you can refer to, oh, how is that in my body? I'm completely out of my body, or it feels kind of bright. When I say your body, I don't mean necessarily your anatomy, but your nervous system. It feels quite tingly or fresh. It was spacious and soft. It was foggy. You can't even get it. If you can't detect it, take an out breath. Take an in breath. Just just give a little more attention to the the breathing or the walking to how the body does it. Brighten up that that reference point um, until the heart, the chitta, becomes more lucid. And steady. Mm. Oh. All that was just the jitter losing focus. Because the moments of release, particularly when the jitter releases, sometimes it, it kind of it's not clear. Things slip out rather than are carefully released. So we have what's called wrong release when there's not been enough sati mindfulness. Wrong release comes from wrong mindfulness. If mindfulness isn't fully established, then it's just things kind of fall away. But you don't really, what was that? Where am I? The proper foundation has also fallen away. So re-establish the establishments of sati around the body, feeling, mind, and skillful and unskillful dhammas. Is there faith? Is there energy present? Is there loss of energy? Is there collectedness present or absent? Keep this recollection, recollecting in the background. The only Sikara deeply attending. How is this? How is this? And then you don't, you don't lose the thread. You stay with it. So I'm going to take a pause now because um, I've spoken quite a lot. I can, I can certainly go on, but I don't think you need to hear any more for today from me.
you've already had quite a bit. There's a lot to digest, so give yourself some space. If things have not been clear, they'll maybe come clear later. Maybe you don't need to be clear about it now. Um, things will take their own time. And we just keep to the basic message, right intention, embodiment, careful attention, the only soul Nisikara, mindfulness, you know, looking for good, wholesome qualities, stay with that, stay with that, you can trust that, you can rely upon that. This will be for your welfare. So Anamodana for your practice for this period and I'll take my leave.